Gentlemen, today's guest has been on the Joe Rogan Experience. He's also appeared on the Aubrey Marcus Show. And on his own podcast, he's interviewed guests like Tim Ferriss, Dorian Yates, and Graham Hancock. This guy is phenomenal. He's a jiu-jitsu master, author, and mentor. Today's episode is going to feature Nicholas Gregoriades. You can be a man of courage, of honor, of integrity. You can be the father, the husband, the leader that your family and your community needs. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. Hey, welcome back to the Manlyhood Mancast. Listen, I usually talk about this at the end, but I'm going to talk about this right now. If you are a part of this movement of manlyhood, if being uh, a part of this movement means anything to you, if you want to be a better man and you want to help other men be better men, which I think tend to go together, then what I want you to do is I want you to leave a rating and a review at iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. I want you to like the video on YouTube, and I also want you to share this with a friend. Because what this does is this gives us a chance to show other people the work that we're doing here at Manlyhood. It's going to help us spread the word. It's going to help us grow and reach more men. So let's all take ownership of this, guys. I'm doing my part. I need you to do your part. So let's make it happen. Also, real quick, let me plug something for you guys. We've got... Uh, a special product that has been put out by our friends at Hemp Mafia. It's called Manlyhood's Apothecary Dirty Beard Oil. It's made with CBD oil. It's also got uh, cinnamon and peppermint and lavender and lemon and some other things in here that are, they smell great together. It Honestly, my wife loves the smell of it. It's been great for my beard. It helps it grow luxurious and slick instead of all frizzy. So, yeah, you want to get you some of this. We've got a limited run. If it does well, we'll get some more. Go to manlyhood.com slash store. Guys, today's guest is a jujitsu master. This guy uh, approaches life from a very different perspective. He's had a phenomenal set of experiences in his life, which includes some heartache and some pain, a lot of it, to be honest with you, and the way that he has adapted and learned from that so that he can then align his life for health and wealth and freedom. So please put your hands together. Let's give a warm welcome to Nicholas Gregoriades. Nick, it is great to have you on the Manlyhood Mancast today. Thank, Thank you for coming and being with me. Yeah, it's good to be here, Josh. Awesome. So uh, I actually got the email from your promoter, and I thought, oh, this guy's been on Rogan and has talked to some pretty cool people. So I thought this will be a pretty cool interview, my friend. What was that like? Mm -hmm. uh, I was a very different person when I went back on Rogan. Uh, I remember I, I walked in, and he pulled out a joint, this fat joint, and he said, uh, do you want to get high? And I remember thinking to myself, at that at that point, I'd been I'd stopped smoking weed for a very long time, so uh, and I wasn't really into it, so um, I didn't want to. But I thought to myself, how many times would how many times you get the chance to smoke weed with Joe Rogan? You know what I mean? Like that was the thought in my mind. So at this point, um, the strongest weed I'd ever had was probably like one fifth as strong as this joint that he pulled out, and I took a few a few puffs on it and. Uh, Man, I was just gone. I was gone. So looking back to it, I probably didn't um, give the best account of myself on that show because I was just stoned out of my mind. Uh, hmm. But it, it, it was funny. He's, he's a cool guy. He's got a good presence. He's got a, a solid vibe. Definitely a man. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's he has a lot of respect and a lot of haters for about a thousand different reasons. But as a podcaster, I respect what he does. Although, you know, I, I would rather not smoke joints with my guests. So I get it. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. This um, is my little cat, Link, by the way. He's, he's probably going to be oh, part of the interview as well. He's won some attention. So 
That's all right. Yeah. My daughter's got a cat that does the same thing, so it's all uh-huh. good. <laughs> so, Nick, tell me, uh, I see that you grew up in South Africa, kind of at the tail end of apartheid. What was what was that experience like growing up for you? I mean, you know, when, you, when you're in it, you don't really, it's all you know. When you're a kid and you grow up in an environment, like that's what seems to be the norm to you. But looking back, I realized that it was in some ways a very privileged experience because you know i grew up in a in a middle class home and back then you know there was it was just haves and have nots in south africa i suppose it's still haves and have nots but it's starting to change a little bit uh and my family had we we were a middle class family we had means and during that era if you grew up in white south africa as a white person I mean, we, we had the best of everything. We had the highest quality education. We had, you know, um, great healthcare. You know, it was, it was just an amazing amount of privilege, but it also came at the cost of, on some level, when you're surrounded by that level of, of poverty, it, it, it kind of tugs at your soul, you know, and, and when you're a have and you see all these have nots, I mean, I'm not able to block that out of my mind. It's one of the reasons I don't live in South Africa anymore is, is being around that. Is, it was just a real drag, man. Like, you, I just felt so much for those people. Um, you, when I was, I think, 12 years old in grade six was the first year that schools became desegregated. So it was the first year that schools had to be open to anyone, regardless of their, their skin color. And so that was quite a, a powerful thing to be a part of is to, is to you know, go have the first six years of school only be around other white kids. And then suddenly in the seventh year, or sorry, in the sixth year, then it's like, oh, there's going to be black, black people and mulatto people and Indian people in school. It was, it was quite a thing to, to be a part of. Um, it was a great privilege to be a part of that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what you're known for is being a, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now there's not, uh, a lot of black belts in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think a lot of guys tend to kind of settle in at a lower level. What was that process like for you, and what have you learned through that? Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, at this point, there, there are quite a few black belts in Jiu-Jitsu. There's definitely um, several thousand. Uh, now I'm a fourth-degree black belt, and there's not, there's not many of those, to be honest. Um, so uh, Jiu-Jitsu has been, what a trip, man. What a trip. It is, it has taken me all over the world. It has made me face my own limitations and my own ego. And more, most importantly, the thing that I value most about the journey I've had in Jiu-Jitsu is it's allowed me to meet just the coolest people. I have, I've been so blessed through Jiu-Jitsu to just meet such wonderful men, such, uh, such interesting, self-actualized generous, fun, awesome people. And uh, that's the thing which I'm, I'm, as I said, most grateful for. Tell me about what what your journey looked like as you started to, to I mean, because you've studied other martial arts as well, or is Bra- Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu your primary? I've, I've trained um, and studied some Judo and, and some boxing as well, but not with any level of, any, anywhere near the same level of depth that I, I did with um, jiu-jitsu. So I I did a little bit of jiu-jitsu in South Africa, a little bit of, of um, MMA training and no-gi no grappling training in South Africa. And then when I was 24 years old, I moved to London and I started training with uh, Roger Gracie, who's a very famous jiu-jitsu practitioner. And I just had an aptitude it and it became my career and I, I was lucky enough to be training with the best in the world and, and just as I said surrounded by these amazing people and it all just it all lined up for me yeah mm-hmm. so would you say what's the, the draw for you in the the art itself as opposed to judo or, or boxing you know do you do you like the hands on grappling is that what attracts you to it or is it more the, the discipline and, and the companionship that you made there uh, you know, back in the day, I would have said, oh, it's the efficacy of the art that was, that, that drew me to it, you know, because it, it, jiu-jitsu was, it was shown in the early UFCs to be one of the most effective of all the martial arts, right? That's why Royce Gracie won the first 
a couple of UFCs convincingly because it was just such an effective thing. But at this stage, honestly, like the, the actual training, to be brutally honest with you, I could take it or leave it. I enjoy it, but I'm not crazy about it anymore because as an older guy now, it's hard on the body. And that's just, to me, it's the, the, the actual training is the cost of entry to be on the mats, hanging out with my friends, right? That's the price I pay to go hang out with my buddies on the mat. And so, right. yeah, the, now the camaraderie is by far the most important element of it for me. I'm always amazed whenever I see, um, whenever I see it put into practice, because, you know, I mean, I, I grew up fighting, you know, more for my lunch money and, and honor, <laughs> um, not, not for sport. Um, and then, you know, once I got to be a teenager, I didn't, you know, after middle school, I didn't need to fight anymore, but, um, you know, watching the way that a grappler attacks is so different. In fact, if I ever got in a fight with a, with a grappler, I always lost, you know, uh, just because, you know, they, they can take, I've always been a big kid. Now I'm a big man, you know, they can flip somebody over like it's nothing. And I've never quite grasped the, the way, the mechanics of it, the way that it works. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's a very interesting thing. It's, uh, I'm not, I'm not a violent person anymore. And that's probably because I've been in this scenario of controlled violence for the past 20 years as my, as part of my vocation, you know, so it's, yeah, I've kind of, I've had my share of it, you know, so, um, it doesn't, it doesn't interest me. I've, I've kind of dealt with that part of myself. Do you find that there are, um, specific things about life that you learn through that process as well when you're when you're on the mat and when you're training what a great question josh uh yeah a lot especially about uh humility is a big one because you know you can't you can't bullshit with jiu-jitsu there's some martial arts where like you can pretend you're better than you are but in jiu-jitsu it, it, it doesn't work that way like just the other day i was sparring with one of my students the whole class stopped to watch us spar and he's like the upcoming kid in the, in the gym. Right. And, um, he beat me, you know, and because he was better, you know, he's tougher, stronger, younger, better reflexes. He trains harder. The guys, he's better than me now. And, uh, it's, there's a moment, you know, where your ego is like, you don't want to accept it. You don't want to accept the reality of it. And, then you've got one of two options. You can face the reality or you can build a story in your mind and, and hide from it. Right. And with jujitsu, if you build the story and hide from it, it just gets worse and worse. You've just got to face the reality. Right. So I think that's a, that's a really good uh, analogy for life. Um, but also that there's the one I always think about is that in jujitsu, there's almost always a, a, a better way of doing things. Or, or more efficient way to accomplish your objective. And I think it's like that in life as well. There's, when I move through the world, I'm always, I'm trying to, to do jujitsu with life. I'm trying to find the most effective pathways through life, the most effective strategies or approaches to anything that presents itself in my life. So, um, I think that that's the, the meta, the meta narrative for me with, with jujitsu. Which kind of brings me to uh, your book that you've got out now is called Align, and I, I can maybe see some of the parallels there. Tell me, what, is, what does that mean for you? Yeah, so it's actually called Aligned, as in... Um, aligned. Something's, yeah, something is aligned. Uh, well, yeah, if we, if we want to draw back to the jiu-jitsu um, analogy or parallels, when, when you're doing jiu-jitsu, one of the things you always want to do is you want to have alignment of your skeleton, right? Because when your skeleton is in alignment, that's when your body is strong. And I think as men, what a lot of us overlook is that we need to find alignment within ourselves. You need to align all elements of your life, whether it's your, your values, your goals, your health, your relationships, everything has to be in alignment for you to be able to really be an effective man and, and, and to, to be an effective expression of the masculine principle. You need to find this alignment. If you're completely discombobulated and scattered and, you know, you've, you've got a job that you hate that's not in alignment with your values and you're in a shitty relationship and, 
you're not in good shape, and whatever it might be, if you're out of alignment, you're never going to be effective, or, or you're going to be vastly less effective than your potential, uh, than you potentially could be. I've seen that in my own life. You know, there there are parts of my life that I do really well with, and I'm hammering out, but then I run into my struggles. You know, I've been struggling with my weight, things like that, with being a disciplined person. And when I hit those walls, the other things that I was doing well at start to not do as well. Yeah. It, it all connects. It all connects, man. It's, 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 you know, we have these different pillars in our life. The, the, the three, the way it's most broadly categorized, most often categorized is health, wealth, and relationships, right? And they're always teetering like one, one or, or, or like going up and down. Sometimes your health and wealth are really good, but your relationship's not good or a relationship's not good. Sometimes your relationship's great, but the other two, your health and your wealth are suffering. Or sometimes you're working really hard to build more wealth. So your health suffers, right? So it's this, it's this constant dance. It's this constant interplay between these three things. And if you let any one of them fall too far, it will drag the others down sooner or later, invariably. So, um, yeah, that's something I'm, I'm constantly aware of. I don't, I don't always get it right. And often, even, even now, even, even after I wrote the book on alignment, there's, there's sometimes in my life where certain things are out of alignment and I've got to really, you know, create a, a lot of focus and discipline and consistency to pull them back into alignment because the tendency of the world is towards entropy and chaos. Uh, you know, like it, it always, if you just let everything go, it's in your life. It's not going to organize itself. It's going to tend towards chaos. So you're going to have to, you have to, as a man, constantly be, be looking for that alignment and working towards it. So what are some ways that, that you, you know, some of the safeguards or some of the, the red flags, maybe even that you look for to know, okay, I have to work on this now. What does that look like? Uh, yeah, what a wonderful question. Uh, I think maybe, um, we can look at what it doesn't look like, right? Which is when it's working, your life feels like it's flowing, right? Like if things are generally, I don't want to say easier. They just, they just move with more fluidity and there's less resistance, right? They could still be challenging, but, but you feel like you're in a flow state. And when you're out of alignment, it doesn't work like that. Things are, are jarring and it's like you're, you're pushing a boulder up a hill always, or, or things just don't work for you. Um, so I guess that's, that's the, the first thing, like, is your life working? Does it feel like you're working? Are you, are you happy, healthy, and wealthy? Are you, do you sleep well? Do you feel good? Are you excited about life? Like, is, is your life working as a whole? Um, I'm not saying you shouldn't have any challenges or, or everything's going to be perfect, but on, on balance, like, are you enjoying this thing? Are you enjoying the ride? And if the answer is no, then I would suggest that you're probably out of alignment somewhere. Yeah. So then, then a man needs to evaluate and determine here's something I need to work on. So let's say, what, what do you have that kind of process where, where you find yourself and you don't know exactly what it is, but something's not right. Like how do you determine where those, those, those holes are, those parts of you that are out of alignment? Mm -hmm. It's, it's a process of constant, continuous self-reflection and and questioning one of my favorite ex sayings is um your life is is determined by the quality of the question the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask so excuse me i'm always questioning like uh, is this as good as it could be does this feel right does this is this in a, uh, in accordance with my goals is this moving me towards where i want to go um i mean the example i just used in a previous podcast that i recorded earlier today was uh, I was watching Stranger Things season four, which um, just came out recently. And I noticed that my life was, things were starting to move out of alignment. I could feel I wasn't in that flow state. I wasn't in a good headspace. I was just not, not in alignment. And I realized it was that show, that show, it was starting to affect me because it's, it's very dark. It's very gory. There's a lot of violence, a lot of gratuitous violence. There's a very somber, um, kind of evil, evil tone to it. There's just no other way to put it, right? I mean, like the good guys win in the end, but there's still a lot of a lot of darkness in that thing. And it was pulling me out of alignment. It was affecting my moods. 
which were affecting my work, which was affecting my relationship, etc., etc. So um, I realized it had to go. I had to change. I had to, to adjust, right? And the adjustment was to stop watching that, stop consuming that, stop putting that into my soul. So um, I think what it ultimately comes down to, Josh, is, is it's this... You, you have to be very vigilant and very hyper-aware of your own internal states and your own immediate environment and just be conscious and awake and present so you can see what, what's, what's going on. I think most people, especially men, tend to look at certain activities or behaviors or things that they consume and they write it off like, oh, it's fine. You know, it's fine, whatever. But you know, the truth is, so if you drink a beer every night, is there anything wrong with drinking a beer every night? No, but if your single beer every night turns into a case every night, then, you know, you're starting to go down that path. But the same way, you know, I think of there's so many things and the same is true of the food that we eat, the, the content that we consume, it does have an effect on us. It does. And there's, there's a phenomenon, uh, it's a book by the by the same name. It's called the Compound Effect, right? Mm-hmm. And these all Darren these Hardy. things they, yeah. Say so say the name again. Darren Hardy. Darren Hardy. That's a good book. I read that a few years ago, and it, it really like he, he tells the story of how uh, he was getting in the habit of having. A, I think he was having a cookie every night or something, and then he said, "Oh, it's just a cookie." And then he recounted it up. Okay, the cookie's like 160 calories, and seven cookies a week is an extra thousand calories a week, which is if his metabolism stays the same, that means he'll be putting on an extra pound of fat every month, which means after 30 months, he'll have gained 30. Again, I'm messing up the numbers, but basically like sure. his, his point was these little things add up and it's, it's closely tied to another phenomenon, which is, uh, this was one of the things that changed my life when I internalized this, which is how you do one thing is how you do everything, mm-hmm. right? So if you're out of alignment, if you're not doing your relationship right, you're probably not doing your work right. You're probably not doing your health right, right? etc. You know, or, or like it's um, this idea like little little things matter, the details matter, and, and uh, like you said, a lot of men just think, oh no, it, do- it doesn't matter if I have three or four drinks a night. It doesn't matter if I spend four hours watching TV a day. It doesn't matter if like, but it's been my experience that it does matter, right? Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. Which that's the very definition of integrity, you know. The integrity comes from the root word integer, which means whole. So mm. all of you needs to be whole. So I love that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> I know mm. I'm interviewing you, but that's all right. Something, sometimes mm. things pop in my head. No, mm. but anyway, as we talk about that and the content we consume, and this is something I know that I've, I've heard you talk about as well. Um, um, and, and I don't, I don't want to beat this to a pulp, but you know, even things like porn, you know, that's a, I think that can be a very destructive thing. I, I have no doubt that it's a destructive thing. I, there's a whole chapter in my book dedicated to, to that. Um, you know, the way I describe it is that if you think of the, everything in the human experience or most of the things in the human experience exist on a spectrum, right? And on, on one side of that spectrum is a, a healthy, integrated whole um, experience. And on the other side of that spectrum is the shadow version of it. So in my mm-hmm. book, the example I use is having a meal, right? Like there's, you can sit down with your family to have a meal that's been prepared with love and diligence and using high quality ingredients. And you guys have a communion at that table and you, you break bread and you're all laughing and talking and you maybe say grace before the meal and it's just a very positive experience that really nourishes not just your body, but your soul as well. Right. And then on the other end of that spectrum, the shadow of that is just grabbing some deep fried garbage from KFC or a donut and wolfing it down while you're playing on your phone. Right. Like just wolfing it, just just like shoveling it in your mouth. Right. Those two things, they're both eating, but they're not the same. Right. They're, They're completely different things. And I think porn is, the shadow of like real sex, real love, that is a very sacred and spiritual act between a man and a woman, right? It's, it's a meshing of not just physical, the physical vehicles, 
But some people might argue, especially um, certain Eastern traditions, that it's actually a meshing of souls. It's creating a tie between your soul and this other person's soul. Now, I don't know if that's true. I, I suspect there is some truth to that. But either way, like that thing, having very conscious presence, present sexual relationship with a woman is to me on is a, an experience that I value and that seems to lift me up. And on the other side is to me porn, which is this thing that has no, uh, I don't want to say no value, but it's, it's the fast food version of that, right? There's no real vulnerability displayed. There's no real, it's, it's just this, like, let me just get off as quickly as I can. It's, it's like the fast food, ju junk food version of that. That's just trying to get you this quick dopamine hit, right? You just want to get your rocks off. And it's usually involves exploitation of women. And it usually involves, I mean, now, nowadays, some level of depravity, right? Because you get uh, desensitized to it. So you start seeking more and more novelty and more and more uh, intense stimuli. And then, you know, it's moved so far from, from the one side of the spectrum to the other. And it is, it's destructive. It is, it, it's, I've seen it in my own life. Back when I was watching porn, like, first of all, I didn't feel very good in the moment. It was like really cool. Okay. I can see any chick doing anything I want to see, you know, like that's cool. Like you, you think you're getting this, this, uh, like the free lunch. Right. But afterwards you felt, I felt so dissatisfied uh, not just then, but it would creep into when I was with a woman, I wasn't present because I was thinking about something I'd just seen on this, on the show, on this clip, or I was comparing her to, you know, like the woman I, or the woman that I'd seen uh, on porn, it, it, whatever, like I said, it is, and it, it was just, it just, it didn't, it didn't, it pulled me out of alignment, Josh, right? Porn, yeah. porn pulls me out of alignment. And I've got too much to do. I've got, my dreams are too big, you know? So like, I, I, I need to be on my edge. I need to be in alignment. I, I need my, my spirit to be, to be healthy. And, uh, if, if something makes it unhealthy, then it's got to go. And that's what porn was doing. So it had to go. So I think a lot of people just like, you know, when you think of like alcohol addiction, you know, when you think of an alcoholic, they, they always say, well, I could stop anytime and they can't. <laughs> so, which is basically what makes it addiction. Um, I know in my life I was addicted to porn for a long time as well. Uh, lied about it. That created a big mess, uh, in my relationship. And we were able to, you know, I have a wonderful wife who was able to forgive me and we were able to work through that. And that's not a part of my life anymore, but it was a, it was very difficult to break free from that. You know, because it it, mm -hmm. it gets tendrils into your brain. You know, kind of like stranger rewires your brain. Yeah, kind of like yeah, Stranger like, Things with the guy with all the vines. Yeah, everywhere, yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It does. So, it's insidious. It creeps. It creeps up on you because I remember it would always start. I'd go months without it, and then it would start. Like, ah, oh, let me just. I'm bored. I'll just. I'll like you know, search one one picture or one video, whatever it is. And then that's how it starts. And then the next time it's two and then the next, and then eventually like I was never a heavy porn user. And I was, I, I can say in all honesty, I was never addicted to it. You know, like mm -hmm. when I, I could stop and, and I did right. It, but you know, I, I would go back every now and then usually out of boredom more than mm -hmm. anything else. Uh, and then it would start to become a habit and I could break the habit, but it was, it took effort. Right. And it's, yeah. It just set me back. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so when a guy is stuck in it, you know, how, how do you break that habit and get away from it? How do you change your mind about that? I think when you, when you realize what it's really costing you, I think that's the key to me. It's, it's the understanding of, of the cost of that thing and the cost when, when you realize that you know, like when you have sex with a real woman and you have good sex and you have a good connection, first of all, that's really fucking cool. It's one of my favorite things in life, right? That literally is one of my favorite experiences in life. And porn compromises that they're incompatible. They do not, they do not coexist in my experience. Maybe, 
there's been guys who've been able to get it to work, guys who can watch a lot of porn and have a conscious, healthy relationship with, with a woman. I, I personally cannot. So to me, the cost, that's a price I'm not willing to pay, right? And and that, to me, is enough. It's a it's a pretty business-like like perspective, right? It's, just, it's, it's a cost-benefit analysis. The cost isn't... Uh, worth worth the, be- the the little benefits right um i guess that's what helped me with it is knowing that i'm there's a, one of the expressions i'm very fond of that a, a childhood friend told me he said every disciplined action has a multiple reward right so it, with porn like i can think okay cool it's wednesday and i can watch this clip and jerk off and feel good for 30 seconds right or, you know, I can wait till the weekend when I see my girlfriend and we can have like three hours of amazing tantric sex, right? Which is going to be way better, right? Like it's just weighing those things up. It's like, it's a no brainer. Like it's not even, it's not even a challenging, it's not a challenge for me anymore because I, I can, I can see the cost of that thing. So yeah. hopefully if, if someone listening to this uh, is struggling, just ask, just realize what the thing is really costing you. Well, and I think it's true with any, addiction or habitual activity, you know, like that is a helpful tool for me to think about as you're giving, that's helping me to think about, yeah, so when there's that piece of pizza that's calling your name or that donut, right? Like, what is this costing me? You Mm -hmm. know, that's, that's a really good, a really good picture. I like that. Yeah. So, um, as I was looking through your book, um, one of the there's a, a little kind of side story that I'm, I'm assuming that kind of got written into the book, um, and it was about you know right before the book came out your your marriage fell apart right yeah what, what was what happened there man uh I mean the the actual events I mean my my ex wife walked in one day on a, on a Tuesday and said she wanted a divorce and that was that was it a week later she was gone. Uh, you know, obviously there's more to it than that. Sure. Um, I think at the root of it, uh, I think, you know, this, this podcast is about, you call it the manlyhood podcast, manlyhood mancast, right? Which I mean, it's my understanding. This show is about the journey towards manhood. Right. And if I look at it, this wasn't even long ago. It was two years ago. My ex-wife and I were, we were psychologically children, right? We were in adult bodies, but we were we were still children. We were still operating our, our we hadn't yet become psychological adults. And when two children are in a relationship together, it never leads to anything good. It just doesn't. Right? Like the same way a child can't parent another child. You know, uh you can have one adult and one child in a relationship and that can sometimes work, even though it's not, it's not, it's usually not fulfilling for the adult, but you cannot have two children in a, in a romantic relationship because it always ends in disaster or unfulfillment. Um, and if I'm honest with myself, I think that that was the root of it. And, uh, yeah, that was it. So what, uh, that experience for you of, of, going through that, did that wake you up into adulthood? What was, what was the change there afterward for you? Yeah, it started the process for sure, Josh. It, uh, you know, one of the definitions of adult, uh, one of the differentiating factors between an adult and a child, a psychological adult and a psychological child is the adult is able to sit with and face their discomfort, whereas the child is not. And that put me in a situation where that was so in so much pain, so much discomfort. I just had to stop and, and there was no one around me. It was the middle of COVID. I was in a, in a new country. I was here in America and I, I um, was away from my family. I didn't have many friends in that town. No one was seeing anyone because of COVID and I was alone in this house and I had to fucking sit there and, and face myself. I had to face my demons. Uh, and face this discomfort. And I had to start asking the question, why did this happen? Not only why did it happen? Why could I not see this coming? You know, where, what were my, how could I have been so blind to, 
to what this relationship was and who this person was and what I was getting wrong, you know, and that was a, that led me to a mentor that I worked with who really helped me understand that I, unfortunately I was a child, right? And my whole life I thought I was a man, but I was just a boy. And, uh, that ultimately led me to, to, to manhood. Hmm. So for you, it wasn't a, I'm 18, I'm a man. It was uh, working through that, that process that, that brought you yeah. to another level. Yeah, absolutely. What did that yeah, mean? Did. If, you, if you don't mind, what was that mentorship process like? You know, did you just find somebody and say, hey, will you mentor me? It was a friend, a friend that uh, had been through a similar experience. He got divorced, and his was way worse um, because his wife poisoned his daughter against him when she left mm. and his daughter basically disowned him. And, um, you know, this, this is a, a, a successful, well-actualized human being. He didn't have any addictions. He wasn't beating his wife. It wasn't like, you know, I, I get it. I can get why some children turn against their parents, but this, this guy was none of those things. And he was, uh, this also led him down his his own dark path, and he did a lot of deep churning and deep introspection, and it, it took him to that point where he had to, you know, crystallize the adult part of him, and so he kind of shepherded me through the same process um, because he had he had done it himself, and what it really involved was just me talking to him on the phone for hours and hours each week. He was in Australia. I was in South Africa, in in Arizona, and um, I was in so much pain. And I was just I was reaching out to people, and he was one of the few who really knew how to help me. Mm. Uh, and and that's basically what what it, how it worked. I asked that because I know so many men are crying for a mentor in some area of their life, and I wonder sometimes. You know, even even myself. You know, I mean, I mentor a lot of people, and sometimes I find myself in need of a mentor. And it's, it, it, sometimes it involves being humble enough to say, I need some help with this. Does anybody know mm -hmm. who knows this and try to find that? Yeah, person. sure. That's exactly and what it is. I'm, I'm glad that, that you were able to do that and work through that process. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know that a lot of our listeners, I have a, you know, a pretty diverse group, but a lot of the listeners are in relationships and I know a lot of guys that are, that listen, that, uh, have been in a similar situation to you and what you've been through. Um, what, what advice would you give that, uh, that, that newly divorced man who's stuck in the room alone with his thoughts? The first thing is, is to understand that when that happens, your mind usually is not your friend. Your mind's going to stop playing tricks on you, right? And it's going to build a story. And, you know, the story is going to involve things like, oh, she left me because of X, Y, Z, or, the, you know, I'm not good enough. or And that might be true, right? You might be a, you might be a douchebag, and that's why your wife left you. But <laughs> generally, it's, not, it's been my experience that that's generally not the case, right? Um, but your mind is going to start creating this narrative and you're going to, you're going to start really beating yourself up. And I think the key is to, is to have compassion for yourself, to not, to not buy into the stories that the mind is creating and to be compassionate to that, that little child within you that feels rejected and abandoned and really give him love and give him compassion and support. And to know that one day this is going to get, it's going to, hurt less and less and eventually it's going to stop hurting right and eventually i remember my mentor told me once and he said one day you will wake up and you'll be glad she left you and I, I could not even consider that possibility and one day i woke up and i was so grateful that that woman left me um and i, I would yeah that's the advice i would give is just keep that at the forefront of your mind don't trust your mind be kind and loving and compassionate to yourself and uh realize that one day this this pain will end and it will be if you if you take charge of your healing process it will be replaced by a a, a, a joy and a relief awesome so 
Uh, in your book, Aligned, I know you talk about that, that concept of a man getting his life aligned, you know, getting putting things in, in order. Um, what, it, what does that look like for a guy who he's stressed out, he's burned out, he's, you know, recognizing that he's not in alignment and he needs to get centered or into a better place? How, how does, how, how does, how would you tell that man to start working through that process? Josh, I think it is that we can approach it from different angles. I think the first one I always try to approach it from is, is the physical angle, right? Like you've, you've got to really get your, your physique aligned, like your posture, right? You've got to get your posture right. You've got to get your, your diet right. You've got to be sleeping properly, getting sunshine on your skin, you know, uh, taking walks. <laughs> that know, reminds this. me of, I, I've been... <laughs> I saw a meme the other day about uh, how your testicles need sunshine. Apparently, I haven't quite got the nerve to sun <laughs> my my boys yet. But <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Sorry, I just I, had to. No, it's <laughs> cool. I laugh because um, <laughs> right out back you can't see it, but I have a little balcony outside, just outside my office here. I, I'm on the top floor, so um, it's this private little balcony. No one can see into it, and um, I. Most days I suntan naked out there for 20 minutes. You can see I've got a <laughs> decent tan because of that. And um, I, yeah, I literally take all my clothes off. I, I didn't know that it was good for your <laughs> testicles, but my instinct just told me this is a good idea. So it's good to there hear you that. Go. <laughs> well, apparently it is good. Apparently it's yeah. good for your testicles. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you get, get some sunshine. You, you start eating better. I didn't mean to interrupt you with that little it's okay. anecdote, but. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, get physically aligned, like start, start working out, start lifting heavy things, do some yoga, like just get in your body, get your body right. Right. Like the body is the, to me, the, the first step. And then, you know, then you get your mind right and you start questioning your, your mindset and looking at uh, your beliefs, your core beliefs and your values. Like what do you value in life? Right. And then again, look at um, your vocation. Are you doing something that energizes you and that you're inspired by, and that's in alignment with those values? Or are you doing something you hate just for a paycheck, or because your parents told you to do it, right? Or because you think it's the right thing to do, right? So, so get that right. Then get your relationships right. Are you in a crappy relationship? Are you are you showing up in your relationship? Are you? being a man of integrity are you being a man of your word like I mean, it's you have to come at it from all angles but as, as i said i would start with the body start working out start getting healthy physically uh and then build on that yeah i think it's probably the easiest steps to take and i think that it may you know when you're working out when you're walking you take a walk every day you're, you're releasing endorphins into your your body that start to make you feel better about some of the other things. So mm. it is a good place to start. Absolutely. Yeah. I like to ask all my guests uh, a few questions. And the first one is this, what does it take to be a man? Radical self-honesty. It's, it's just sitting and looking at the parts of yourself that you don't like, you know, whether like your shadow, like, and, and accepting like there's a, a thing I have written on this board behind me, which says uh, only only a being that understands where it is can plot its next point of arrival. So you got to start with like just looking at, at where you are, right? Just being honest, you know, like I am here in my life. I'm these are the things I don't like about myself. This this is these are my shortcomings. This is. And then not judging yourself for those things, just accepting, yeah, like you, you're at this point and how can I do better? Asking how, how, how can I do better? How can I move forwards? How, and then being honest with yourself about the answers that come up with that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we can be masters of self-deception. Yeah. We, uh, we look at ourselves and, and we can lie to ourselves all day long and yeah. we like it because that's easier. Well, we like the immediate effects, but it always comes out in the end, right? You yeah. Know, like it always, it always has a, a multiple cost down the line when you're dishonest with yourself. It always comes back to bite. You know, you know how it works in life as well. When you're dishonest with someone, it always comes back to bite you in the ass. Always. 
always, always, always. And it's this, and if it doesn't, it'll eat away at you forever, right? And it's the same with yourself, right? Like if, if you act from a place of dishonesty or you're not honest with yourself, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. Mm. Excellent. So Nick, let's just say, uh, we can suspend the laws of time and space and 10 year old Nicholas walks in the room. What are you going to tell him? I'm going to tell him that I love him. Yeah. And I'm going to tell him that no matter what is going on in the outside world, he needs to love himself. What, what difference would that have made if it actually happened? If I had gone back to the 10 year old Nick mm -hmm. and told him that mm -hmm. it would have started a cascade of psychological processes, which would have led to me making better decisions and having stronger boundaries and making fewer mistakes. Mm. Excellent. And so for the guys that are listening today, what is your best advice that you have for them? Again, it's it's love yourself, really. The, the, at the core of everything I've found, at the core of all of my searching, all of the work I've done, it's it's really finding the love for yourself and suspending judgment of yourself and just really having compassion that you are... Being human is not an easy thing, man. You're playing a very difficult game here and you want to be on your team, right? You don't want to be on the, like against yourself. Like a, the Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand, right? So if you're constantly berating yourself and not loving yourself, you, you're just making it harder on yourself, right? For no reason. Yeah. So Nick, I know you do some, some coaching. Is that right? You, you can help walk men through their journey or do you do it more in a business uh level what what does your coaching look like yeah i coach uh primarily at this at this point it's one-to-one -one coaching and uh I, I work with men who are going through these challenges I, I also work my movement now is towards helping men with create heart-centered businesses so most of the time i'm coaching entrepreneurs because i really believe that's that's a leverage point is when you find alignment within yourself and within your business. That's because your business is a reflection of who you are, right? If you're an entrepreneur. So if you're doing something that's not in alignment uh, or, or you're not in alignment, then your business is not reaching its potential. You're not reaching your potential. So um, those are the, primarily the types of men I work with is, is entrepreneurs who wanting to really create hearts, heart focused, heart centered businesses. Um, and then I also just work with men who might not be entrepreneurs, but they're just wanting to go beyond their own self-imposed limitations, whether that be mental or physical or, or spiritual. I just, I show them and share with them the things that have really worked for me on this journey. And, uh, I don't want to say it's like the easy way, but it's definitely a fast track because I know it's the same thing. You know, if, if I had had some guy, when I was 10 or when I was 20 or when I was 30, if I had me, the 40 year old me go back and share, uh, someone asked me the other day, like, how much would you pay to, to have your, how much would the 30 year old Nick pay to have a conversation with the 40 year old Nick? Mm. Right. And there's no amount of money. Right? I could have saved myself so much pain and <laughs> suffering and waste the time. And that's what I do for my clients as well, or at least, that's yeah, that's what I do for my clients. That's what I do for men who are, are wanting the fast track. I love it. That's excellent. So if our guys want to get in touch with you, whether it's about coaching or your book, what's the best way for them to connect with you, man? Thanks, Josh. They just go to coachnickg.com and that's Nick with no K. So just N-I-C, coachnickg.com. Coachnickg.com. And you've got a podcast as well? I do. It's the Nicholas Gregoratti Show. You can find a link to the podcast at coachnickg.com. 
Awesome. And we'll also make sure we link that in the show notes so you can check out the work that you're doing there. Yeah, you've been doing awesome. a great job with the podcast. You've got some some uh, high-caliber guests on. So is that lots lots of good asks to get those to happen, right? Uh, now it's actually at the point where these guys are, like, coming to me, which is cool. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've just – I've been in the podcast game for a long time. I was doing a podcast called London Real almost – 2012 yeah so that's 10 years ago you know i started the pod in the podcasting game 10 years ago so wait i think you're I've, the london real guy yeah i was i was the other half of london real back in the day yeah yeah i you yeah. know i knew i knew you from somewhere yeah <laughs> sweet <laughs> i told you a lot, a lot has changed since back then yeah because um, that's when i went on rogan it was with the other other half of london real um so i built up a lot of good goodwill in that community and and um you know, I, I just really try to have fun and interesting conversations, and uh, I think people appreciate that. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today, man. And, Thanks, uh, brother. I hope our guests uh, tune in to the other work you're doing because it's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate you. Nick, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, you are doing some excellent work. Thank you again for what you're doing. And uh, we want to support you in whatever way possible. So, guys, please go to the links that we have in our show notes and our description on YouTube or our blog at manlyhood.com. Click the links. Check out what Nicholas Gregoriades is doing. Let's send him some love. If you appreciated this episode, let him know about it. Let him know where you heard it, and then he knows, okay, there's some good stuff out there. This is a good connection. Uh, but I definitely want to say, again, thank you to Nick for being on the show. And I want to thank you for listening, guys. Listen, if you want to level up as a man, you want to connect with other men who are on this journey, you want to be a part of this manlyhood movement, the best way to do that is our private Facebook group. So go to, to, go to Facebook, type in Manlyhood Man Cave. And from there, you can request to join. And if you're a man, we will approve that request. So introduce yourself to the group. We can't wait to have you in there. Well, guys, I hope we can continue to level up. I hope we can work on aligning our life, finding that balance, finding that place where we are growing, where we're learning from the hard things that happen, where we're making the right decisions, where we are encouraging each other to do the same. That matters, and you matter a lot. Just wanted you to know, guys, that I love you, and I care about you, and I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast. Cast.